Welcome to Should Have Backed It. It's the old stakes day, now known as Champions Day, as we look to head to the final day of the traditional VRC carnival. Let's meet our guests quickly, our uh, racing expert, Chris Mucho of uh, News Limited, the racing editor there. Big V, how are you? Hi, John. Going pretty good. Uh, a lot better after Oaks Day, I have to say. I'll bet. And our punting expert, Philip Georgios. Phil, how are you feeling? Yeah, feeling pretty good, mate. It's been a, a big week so far, but yeah, one more day of the Flemington Carnival to go. So looking forward to Champions Day. Is that what you called it? Still stake state of it. It is. I'm going to have to remember all the names, the new names of the races, but we'll get to that. I think I've got them down, Pat. They all seem to feature the same word, so we should be okay on that front. So we will get into a preview of the three group ones that are on tomorrow. They are all now known as champions races. We'll start, we'll go up in distance and probably up in drama, let's be honest as well. So we'll start with race six, the Dali Champions Sprint over 1,200 metres. There are two horses that are truly in the market here. Imperatrice, $1.85 as we go to air and in secret at $4.60. The rest of the field are long shots. Chris, we might go to you first. How do you see this race playing out and who are you tipping? Well, I've got Imperatrice on top. If she reproduces what she's been doing you know, this spring, she wins. But she has to do it down the straight now, You know, whereas in secret, I think she's unbeaten down the straight. So if Imperatrice is just that little bit off, you know, she she could be vulnerable to an in-secret beating her. But if she handles the straight, you know, I think she wins. You know, $2 is, is a bit short, so I'll, I'll watch this race. And I think Asfura could be a place chance. She's, she's shown a lot more sustained speed this campaign, and I think that will help her run out the 1,200 metres. You know, her her last start win, there was nothing squibbish about that. So I think um, she's been pigeonholed as a 1,000, 1,100-metre horse, and, and probably rightly so. That that's probably is her best distances, but I wouldn't rule her out running out a good 1,200. Yeah, this would be a really tough betting race if Imperatriz wasn't in it because I think the rest of the field – is pretty even, and they've sort of come out a little reasonably different form. There's a few Everest runners in there. Um, obviously, yeah, as you mentioned, Asfora has come out of that Caulfield run. Uh, Bella Nipotina ran and won last week up in up at Rose Hill. So, but yeah, within Peritrees, I mean, the way it won at Mooney Valley last start, and the form that it's in, you would expect that it can get the job done. I think two dollars actually isn't too bad, but wouldn't be something I'd be jumping at, to be honest. Um, I actually had Asphora as kind of the danger as well. Uh, and I don't mind Airman at about $26. doesn't go too badly down the straight from memory. And it uh, did split um, some pretty good horses last start. But yeah, hard, hard to go past Imperatrice. Okay, on to the next race, race seven. It's known as the Kennedy Champions Mile nowadays. It's recently been moved back to the final Saturday and recently been moved to wait for age conditions. I think it's fair to say it's a disappointing field this year. There's only seven horses, some definite quality. Um, I'll get the boys to talk about whether they think some of these fancies have already run their grand final. But we do have Pride of Jenny, Fangirl, Mr. Brightside and Alligator Blood and the Inevitable all in the race. Uh, Gentlemen, we might start with you, Phil. Uh, How do you see this uh, edition of the Champions Mile playing out? Yeah, I agree with your first statement that it's a little bit of a disappointing field, only seven runners in it. 
I uh, wonder how far the uh, other jockeys will let Prodigy any get away this start. I mean, um, in a seven-horse field, you wouldn't expect she'd get too many, um, too much help. But yeah, I think it's the race in three between those ones that were in the Cox Plate. They were all kind of within half a length of each other. So Alligator Blood, Mr. Brightside, and Fangirl. I've been a kind of a bit of a fangirl loyalist over the last few starts, so I'm happy to stick with her. I, I noticed she's now second favourite in behind Mr. Brightside, but you can really see any three of those horses getting the job done depending on the pace and the tempo and, and how they're feeling because, as you mentioned, they have gone past their grand final, but I think they've all got a run left in them and it should be a good battle between those three, I think, to the finish, but just have fangirl ahead. With regards to the, the field size, with the field size, I think the... The issue with making this race wait for age now is that you've got the 2,000-metre race. So it's they're pulling – both races are pulling from the same pool of horses. So, you know, Mr. Brightside, Alligator Blood, you know, even Fangirl could quite easily run in the, the champion stakes and some horses from that race could easily be in the mile as well. So I think that's going to be like a, a balancing act that's, you know, we'll see unfold over the next couple of years. You know, it's it's only two years since this race has been made wait for age. So, you know, hopefully in, over the coming years we might see, you know, a bit more depth, you know, in, in this race. But I found this pretty tricky with Mr. Brightside, Alligator Blood, Fangirl. You know, all three have claims to win. Alligator Blood won this race, you know, sixth up in the preparation. So it finds the same setup. And he's going in and comes into this race off better lead up results, you know, in the Cox Plate and also winning the Underwood. Now, Mr. Brightside, I think, was also sixth up in this race last year, running third, but he's going better as well. So, can't see any reason why they can't win again. Fangirl's the one that's probably got a bit more freshness on her side, being fourth up, but being a small field. You know, this could be a tactical race. I'm not sure if that suits her. I think she might need a bit of tempo on. So depending on how the the race is run, I think one of those three will win. I've got Mr. Brightside on top, but not by much. It's an interesting point Chris makes there because uh, in, until, until three years ago, these two races were on alternate Flemington Saturdays. And obviously under slightly different conditions as well. So you did have a lot of horses attempting the double. And then we think about Sydney and you've got the Doncaster on the first Saturday of the of uh, the, the championships up there. And then the Queen Elizabeth over the bigger distance on the second Saturday. And I just think it's a shame across all three of these weight for age races. We don't have a three-year-old in any of them. So I'm, I'm slightly surprised by that. All right, on to the last one. Uh, Chris, we will start with you here. It's the, TA, the tab, sorry, Champions Stakes. Over 2,000 metres, used to be known as the McKinnon uh, for a long time. And the favourite in this race is West Wind Blows. We do have a, a bigger field on this one. How do you see it playing out? I'm very keen on West Wind Blows. Best bet for the day. Huge in the Turnbull and the Caulfield Cup. So it's, it's just whether he's got one more run left in him. I think 280 is a good price. I think we might even get $3 plus on the day. He's had that extra week, you know, as um, compared to some of the horses coming out of the Cox Plate, like Zaki and Jewess. I don't know what to do about Zaki. He was tough in the Cox Plate. Now, will that take a bit out of him? But he does get a soft lead here, so that that will help him. Jewess should have finished a lot closer in the Cox Plate, but is she up to this level? Is she up to the level of West Wind Blows? Uh, I'm not too sure. 
and Prowess, the the Kiwi horse, she'll improve up to two thousand, but I think she does need to take another leap to be beating the likes of Westwind Blows and Zaki and Jewis. You know, she did beat Antino last start and you know, Antino is not up to this grade. So I'm I'm pretty keen to to bet on Westwind Blows. Yeah, not a huge amount to add from that. I think Big V summarised it pretty well. West Wing Blows, it'd be tough to find better form um, in racing at the moment, given it was just shaded by without a fight in the Caulfield Cup. Gee, what might have been if it had uh, actually run in the Melbourne Cup too? Um, that might have been a very interesting finish. Um, I'm a little bit more optimistic about Zaki than, than Big V is, perhaps. I know it's still, I know it's getting it on in age, and but it has won this race two years on the trot, and as Big V mentioned, should get a pretty easy run up front there. So if it can set the tempo, Jamie Carr can put some um, nice sectionals in, in through the mid-stages of the race. I could see Zaki causing a bit of a boil over and, and getting and getting past West Wind Blows. But, yeah, it's a tough one to bet outside of those two, I think, um, uh, in line with what Big V just run through. All right, fellas, just before we get to the final furlong, I will get you to give me a, uh, a tip or something you like from around the grounds, around the country tomorrow, or indeed the Flemington undercard. Phil, you got something for us? Yeah, I had a bit of a look just uh, at Flemington. Didn't go anywhere else. Um, I think we can give Sequestered in race one another chance. Um, was a little bit plain in its last start after being a dominant winner in the start before, but I think at $4 in that field, I'm willing to give it another shot. I really like It's Our Time down the Flemington Strait. Uh, it, you know, just in behind Spacewalk and Najim Sahail, who uh, who went and ran again yesterday in the Oaks so and, and ran well again. So I'm happy to give it a shot in race two. And then we'll go all the way to the last race. And I think Kin is a nice little way to end your day on Champions Day. I see that Najem Sahail is still in for tomorrow, which is interesting at the time of recording. Watch that one, punters. It's already raced twice uh, during Carnival. Chris, what about you? Yeah, I'm going to go to Rose Hill and have a look at the Five Diamonds. It looks a pretty solid race. And, you know, if we didn't have this race, some of these horses might actually be down at Flemington in running in the, the mole or the, the champion stakes. But I think Antino looks pretty well placed here. 280 looks a backable price. And I think the only the only concern is the the tactics. Hopefully, from barrier two, they do ride him a bit more positive. Try and find a spot, not get too far back. I think that's the only concern. And I think uh, yeah, maybe the the jockey engagement you might see the price get out to three dollars plus. Well, there you go. He's just potted the horse in uh, in the Flemington segment and then tipped him uh, and said he's well-placed in the five diamonds. So uh, maybe that tells us all we need to know about some of these pop-up races. All right, fellas, we are going to the final furlong. We get always get lots of... Uh, Lots of listener questions in, but we never we never read them out. I've had a good one come in uh, this week that the production crew has brought to my attention, uh, and it, it can only be asked this week because it relates to the Melbourne Cup. So we'll run with it. Let me just find the question. Ah, here we go. Okay, so apologies in advance to the listener if I mispronounce your name here. It is C. Janssen of Karanyup uh, WA, and uh, Mr. Janssen wants to know whether or not uh, there is something that could be done 
to fix the scheduling of the Melbourne Cup Day card, the undercard, because obviously it does lack a little bit of depth. Now, it's a tricky one, boys, because the VRC owns all the chips in this one. They can't just pull races from Caulfield and Mooney Valley. Uh, Phil, we might start with you. Have you got a, a strong view on what you would do to spice up the uh, undercard on Melbourne Cup Day? Well, like most politicians, um, and thank you for the question to begin with, but like most politicians, I don't agree with the premise of the question. I actually think that the Melbourne Cup card is actually really nicely um, nicely presented in the way that it highlights and, and makes the Melbourne Cup stand out. I don't think there's any other race meeting in Australia where the main race is so far ahead of all the other races. So even if there were some other group ones or, you know, bigger calibre races on the card, I don't think that would improve or detract from the day in any way. The, the people that are watching, the people that are there, the people that are watching throughout the country are there to see the Melbourne Cup. We do get a listed race and a Group 3 race, I think, after the Melbourne Cup, which adds a little bit of spice or to those racing fans a little bit more, I guess, meat onto the card. It, I guess you could argue that seeing a few benchmark races in there does potentially detract from the day for some people. But to, for me, the whole day is built around the Melbourne Cup. All the excitement is about the Melbourne Cup. And for me, I don't see a need to... to to tinker with the card itself because I think that's what it's all about. Chris, have you got a view on that? It's interesting. The uh, I called out last week that the race after the Melbourne Cup uh, featured all the, th- the, the uh, three-year-old fillies that might be going to the 1,000 guineas. And then the winner, a roll on high, won the race emphatically and then went straight to the spelling paddock. So um, it, it, it's not going to have any Group 1 form coming out of it. How do you uh, look back on, on the quality of Tuesday's card, Chris? Yeah, I actually thought the the undercard looked pretty strong for a Melbourne Cup. You, know, you had earlier in the program, Forgot You and Sabak. You know they came out of the JRA plate at the Valley a couple of weeks ago. You had you know Barber was a short favourite in one of those sprint races, and I'm not sure if Phil got on Barber. He was pretty keen on him in our earlier podcast. And then you look at the race won by the Map, you know the Map and the Mister Waterville. Both came out of the Geelong Cup, and th- that race that you did mention, the desirable stakes, you know that could possibly be a, you know, a lead-up run to the the thousand guineas. So these these horses we saw on Cup Day, they're not coming from you know country form lines. They're actually being running in Saturday grade. So I, I do think the undercard, you know, look was pretty solid compared to past years. All right, punters, there you go. A slightly longer episode ahead of the weekend. A bit of juice and meat on the bone there for you with the tips. We will be back for the first ever edition of the Caulfield 1000 next week, so stay tuned for that. And uh, as always, Phil? Good luck on the punt and gamble responsibly.